0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 4. In connection with Lord's Day 33, concerning the ninth commandment, Ephesians 4 has a number of things to say about the use of our tongues. We'll start reading at verse 17 and read through the end of the chapter. Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be ye have heard him, And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby... Ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That far we read in God's holy inspired word. May God bless that word to our hearts. It's in connection with that passage that we treat the truth of scripture summarized in Lord's Day 43. Lord's Day 43. Questions? Uh, Question and answer 112 reads as follows. What is required in the ninth commandment? That I bear false witness against no man, nor falsify any man's words, that I be no backbiter nor slanderer, that I do not judge nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, but that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings, I love the truth. Speak it uprightly and confess it. Also that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. Beloved congregation and our Lord Jesus Christ, how shall you and I, who have been saved by grace, love our neighbor? We have been dealing in the table of the law that deals with our love towards our neighbor. So you have seen in past weeks that we are called to love our neighbor as regards his life, thou shalt not kill. We are called to love our neighbor as regards his marriage, thou shalt not commit adultery. We are called to love our neighbor as regards his goods, Thou shalt not steal. And now we deal with the ninth commandment that calls us to love our neighbor as regards our words. Loving our neighbor in the words that we speak to him and about him. The Catechism explains what is involved. And as it does with the other commandments, it gives a positive, uh, in the first place, a negative aspect, what we are called to avoid, but also what we are called to do. We are called, on the one hand, to shun and avoid all sorts of lies and deceit. And then on the other hand, we are called to love and speak, love the truth and speak the truth uprightly, confess it, and also defend and promote the honor and good character of our neighbor as much as we are able that calling is reflected in many portions of Scripture. The ninth commandment, what we are called to in that commandment, is reflected in that portion of Scripture that we read. And I didn't read the beginning of chapter 4, but the beginning of chapter 4 roots the admonition to love our neighbor in who we are. We are children of God who have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And so at the very beginning of chapter 4, the apostle says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy... Of the vocation wherewith ye are called. You have been called graciously, out of darkness. You have been given life. Now walk in a way that befits that calling. That in a general way at the beginning of the chapter. And then later in the chapter, the apostle specifically links... This admonition to put away lying and to speak the truth, he specifically links that to who we are. Verse 25 of chapter 4, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, and then it gives the reason. For we are members one of another. That's saying who we are. We are members of the body of Christ. We who have been graciously called are all members of the body of Christ. Now put away lying and speak the truth with our neighbor. Does that life, beloved, characterize you, and does that characterize me? Are we those who speak the truth and put away lying? want to consider the ninth commandment this morning under that theme, the command regarding our words. And I want to see in the first place, want us to see that that forbids lying. It requires that we speak the truth. And in that way, we show love, love to our neighbor and love to God. So let's look at the ninth commandment this morning. The command regarding our words. And what we ought to notice in the first place is that by nature, the way we were born in Adam, apart from the grace of God, by nature, with that corruption that we inherited from Adam and Eve, we are prone to all sorts of falsehood. By nature, because we still have that old man, by nature we were alienated from the life of God. We were blind and past feeling. That's what we read in Ephesians. But then it makes a contrast. And it expresses who we are. When we hear this commandment, we hear it as God's children. And there's the contrast with by nature, and now by grace. By grace, we are different. God has changed us. And that's the reality that comes out in this passage Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, that is, from now on, henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk uh, to work all uncleanness with greediness there's what we were by nature and yes we still have the old man of sin but now this but ye have not so learned Christ, you who have been called out of darkness, you to whom God has given faith, you who have heard God's word and believe that word, but ye, that's the contrast, this is by grace, ye have not so learned Christ, If so be, ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. What we are by nature, but now consider what we are by grace. We who are the children of God... Have we heard the voice of Jesus Christ? Verse 21, if so be ye have heard him. Have we heard him? Have we heard the Good Shepherd speak to us in the preaching? Has God opened our ears so that we believe the word that is brought to us out of Scripture, has he taught us? Well, if it is true, and it is for us, God's people, that we have heard Jesus Christ, we have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That being the case... The apostle says, then put off the old man and put on the new man, this being true of you. Put off the old man, put on the new man. That's verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And now it's striking. We've talked about who we are in Jesus Christ by grace The apostle calls us to put off the old man and put on the new, and then the very first thing that he addresses is our speech. That's significant. As soon as he calls us to put off the old man and put on the new, the first thing he talks about is our words. Verse 25. Wherefore, all this being true of us, God's people, wherefore, on account of this truth, on account of what Christ has done for you, and on account of what Christ is doing in you, on account of... Being taught the truth, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Significant that the Apostle addresses that first to the church in Ephesus and to the church of all ages, to the church in Linden this morning. Put away all falsehood. And then the Catechism goes on to explain what, kinds of falsehood, all different kinds of falsehood that you and I are to put away. The most blatant form is addressed in the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And that, of course, speaks of a specific form of falsehood. It speaks of those who are in a court of law And they speak falsehood to the hurt of their neighbor. Well, we understand that doesn't happen so often to us, that we are in a court of law and have to bear witness about our neighbor. But the law is very broad. The ninth commandment gives that specific instance as one of the most egregious forms of telling falsehood, but then included under that are all kinds of falsehood. But even that, it happens to God's people. We are called into court. And the lawyer tells us just when the judge asks you whether you're guilty or not guilty, you automatically say, not guilty, your honor. Even though we might know very well we are guilty. It is common for people to bear false witness in the court of law. But the principle, we said, goes Far broader than that. Why do we have to hear the ninth commandment? Why do we have to have the commandment explained to us? Because you are and I am still prone to falsehood. We still have the old man of sin. We need to hear this word. The Catechism explains, as it goes through the Ninth Commandment, explains that one way we are guilty of falsehood is when we falsify other people's words. We hear the words, and then we twist those words... So, that what we express about those words is false. That's not what they actually said. And that happens in the church sometimes. It happens when someone makes an ambiguous statement. And that statement could be taken one way, or it could be taken another way, and then without charity, we take it the wrong way. We take it in the worst light possible. I know what he meant by that. This is what he meant. Rather than taking it charitably and saying, well, he might have meant this, and this would be completely true, and this would be a good thing, but we take it uncharitably. We say that he couldn't have meant this. He must have meant this. We falsify other people's words. An example of that, we find in the New Testament when Jesus was brought before Pilate. And the Jews said about Jesus, he forbids to give tribute to Caesar. And then if you had asked them, if we had been there and we asked those Jews, well, when did Jesus say you may not give tribute to Caesar? And they they would have their reasoning. They would say, well, he says he is Christ. He doesn't deny that he's the Christ. That means he's a king. And if he's a king, well, that must put him at odds with Caesar. And if he is putting himself up as a king and he is at odds with Caesar, it, that implies that he wants taxes not to be paid to Caesar. And you can go through all this line of reasoning and say, see, he forbids to give tribute to Caesar. Never mind that they had asked them that specific question, and Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. They sweep that away, his statement of what he actually believed, and they go through this, logical, really illogical way of thinking and saying, see, he forbids to give tribute to Caesar. They falsified Jesus' words. The ninth commandment forbids us from falsifying people's words. The ninth commandment calls us to Hear the words of others charitably. But it shouldn't surprise us when it happens in the church too. If it happened to Jesus himself, it shouldn't surprise us when it happens to us in the church. Another kind of falsehood that the catechism explains, is the falsehood of backbiting. Children backbiting, you could explain, as going behind someone's back and biting them with your words. Backbiting is using those biting words when somebody is not there to defend themselves. And then you can say all kinds of things, negative things about them that you would never say if they were sitting right there. It's been said, this applies to backbiting as well as to gossip and slander, but it's been said, those who backbite are lending their tongue To the devil. And those who listen to backbiting are lending their ears to the devil. It may even be true what a backbiter says. Did you hear what so and so did? And pretty soon the word's out. Proverbs 26, verse 22 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Backbiting is a breaking of the ninth commandment, and so is slander. Backbiting we do behind someone's back when they're not there. Slander, we speak right to their face or in their presence. We openly reproach others with spiteful, bitter, or false words. That can happen in the church, too. I'm thinking of an example in the Old Testament when Ahab saw the prophet Elijah... And rather than repenting of his sin, he points at Elijah as the troublemaker. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? When Elijah showed up again after the three and a half years of famine, there's that troubler. Who was the troubler? Ahab was the troubler. But he charged God's prophet with being the troubler. There's that troublemaker. Slander. And then lastly, the catechism explains that we're guilty of breaking the ninth commandment when we judge or join in judging any man rashly or unheard. You understand the ninth commandment does not forbid us from judging. We ought to judge. We ought to make judgments. That is wrong. That may not be said. We ought to judge. But the ninth commandment forbids us from judging rashly or unheard. We must judge according to truth. And when we judge rashly and I have to point at myself because I've done it myself with my own children, judged rashly. But it happens on other occasions too where we jump to conclusions. Judging rashly means I haven't really considered all the facts. I haven't considered the possibility that there may be another side. And how easily we judge rashly without even considering. Well, you can see how that goes right together with judging unheard. To judge unheard is... What it sounds like, it's judging without hearing the other side. Judging rashly or unheard, both those things go together. And now I want us to examine ourselves, beloved. Where have I done that, and where have you done that? Where are we guilty of falsehood, of twisting someone's words, of backbiting against others, of jumping to conclusions? I say to my wife often, when we talk about different things, language is a tricky business. It really is. It's difficult. We need to be careful that we don't jump to conclusions and assume the worst. And where we see that, that's part of the use of the law. Where we see we have failed, then we need to repent and seek forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Of course, God not only calls us to put off the old man, so there's that calling as children of God called out of darkness. We are called to put off the old man, but we are also called to put on the new. So that when the apostle says, put, off, put away lying, it also calls us to speak every man truth with his neighbor. So the catechism takes that same approach. When it tells us what is forbidden in the ninth commandment, it also tells us what God requires. God who is a God of truth, God who always speaks the truth, calls us to speak the truth as well. God who calls... God who is a God of, uh, a God who loves the truth also calls us to love the truth and to speak it uprightly. And that includes, if we speak the truth uprightly, that includes confessing the truth, confessing the truth of Scripture. Scripture. God calls us to devote ourselves to love him as regards our words. How do we show our love for God? With our words. And now we come back to Jesus Christ. He is much, much more than an example, but he is also an example to us. And what do we find about Jesus Christ? His whole life. He devoted himself to the truth so that he is even called the way, the truth, and the life. He was full of grace and truth. And we could point to many, many examples. Speaking the truth, To build up his disciples, but also speaking the truth of God's judgment upon the wicked who rejected the gospel. When Jesus was before Pilate, John 18, verse 37, we read this. Pilate asked Jesus, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus came to bear witness of the truth truth, the truth of God's justice that he will mete out upon sinners, but also the truth of God's mercy in Jesus Christ. He bore witness to the truth of the gospel. He confessed the truth in all of his teachings. And he didn't merely speak the truth. He spoke it uprightly. There was never a time where you could say about what Jesus said. There's never a time where you could say that was not spoken uprightly. No, he always spoke it uprightly. And speaking the truth, being perfectly obedient to God in all of his life, he went to the cross and died so that you and I could have the truth, the truth of the gospel. He died, and then he rose again, and he sits at God's right hand, so that we could have the spirit of truth. Jesus expresses that right before he went to the cross. John 14, verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The spirit who leads us into all truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So now based on the work of Jesus Christ that he did on the cross and based on the spirit of Christ that is given to us, based on the fact that we have the spirit of truth, we will love the truth. is that not evident this morning we came to hear god's word because we love the truth we don't only come to church one time a week we come as often as we are able we diligently frequent the house of god why because We love the truth. And we want to worship the God of truth. To be sure, we have only a small beginning. When I say we love the truth, I don't say we love the truth perfectly. We have only a small beginning but by God's grace. And yes, there's much room for growth, but by God's grace, there is a love for the truth. And when we weep over the fact that we don't love the truth enough, that shows a love for the truth that God has worked in our hearts. It can only be a result of the work of the spirit of truth. It can only be that God has worked a work of grace. That's why we love the truth. It makes sense. If we love the truth in our hearts, that's going to show itself in all of our lives. If I love the truth especially the truth about God, but also the truth about my neighbor. If I love the truth in my heart, then I'm going to speak the truth with my mouth. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Also as regards the words that we speak. That's going to show itself. And the words we speak, in the words we listen to, If I love the truth and someone's speaking the lie, I'm going to be one who rebukes that lie. And if I can't do that, then I walk away. I don't want to hear that. Our love for the truth will show itself. Now, here's an application that applies to all of us, but could apply very well to the young people at school. Someone speaks slander or somebody backbites or gossips. If I love the truth, maybe someone speaks a name that does not accurately reflect the good character of my fellow neighbor, my fellow student, then I don't countenance that, I don't listen to that but I rebuke those who speak hateful words. We speak the truth with our neighbor in love. That certainly applies to what we say about our neighbors. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. But it also applies to the truth of Scripture. There may come a day where we are afraid to speak the truth because of what the kingdom of Antichrist will do if you speak the truth and say that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation, that all other religions are false religions and will only bring those worshipers to hell Speaking that truth may have consequences. Do we love the truth enough that we would yet speak the truth, though it brought us persecution? Though we hold positions, doctrinal positions, that make us stand. Apart from other churches, do we love the truth enough to confess what Scripture says? If fear of persecution rules us, then we have not enough love in our hearts for the truth. If fear of persecution rules us, then we end up confessing the lie. If we love the truth, we will speak the truth. And we will defend and promote the honor and good character of our neighbor. As much as is possible. It's striking that the catechism says, as much as is possible. Because there are times, beloved, when we have to reveal some horrible thing about a brother or sister. There are times when we cannot hide the truth concerning the evil that a neighbor has done at times. That Brings us into the whole realm. I'm not going to go into that, but the whole realm of abuse and why some of that has to be reported. It has to be made public. As much as we are able, we want to protect, defend, and promote the honor and good character of our neighbor. And here's a good test. Often I do this, I'm sure we all do it. We speak before we have thought about the consequences of our words. But here's a good test to examine our words Am I speaking these words to build up my neighbor? Or am I speaking these words to put him down, even if it's ever so slightly in my mind? Why am I saying these words? Are they calculated to bring good to my neighbor? To make him, to encourage him or her? Or are they calculated to harm? Sometimes we minimize the harm we do and say, well, it's just a little, just a little thing. What's the big deal? But you carry that on. One little pinprick is a small deal, but if somebody's sitting there poking you day after day, multiple times with a pin, you're, you're going to get tired of it and be harmed by it. Are, the, are my words meant for the good of my neighbor? And here again, we need to examine those words that we have spoken and repent where we have fallen short. And look again to the cross of Jesus Christ. Why ought we to speak the truth? What's the reason that we ought to govern our tongues? Well, Our tongues have so much potential to do good or evil. They have so much potential to build up and to do harm to our neighbor. Think about the danger of our tongues. I don't often use personal experiences, but I'll use this one. When I was a child, we had a crawl space under our house, and I decided it would be interesting to build a little fire under the house. Thankfully, it didn't get out of hand, but you see the danger. It's just a little fire. And I could say, what's the big deal? But then James tells us how, about the tongue, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth. One little tiny fire and you could burn down a whole house. You could burn down a whole forest. Just with the tongue. There are people who, because of the words of others, have committed suicide. Those were killing words. Now, suicide is never justified, but you see the harm that the tongue can do. Untold misery sometimes. How great a matter, a little fire kindleth. There's the negative side. We ought to see that when we think of the ninth commandment. But there is a positive side as well. Proverbs 25, verse 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. A word fitly spoken. A wise reprover. What a wonderful help that can be for someone to bring to another. And when that other one hears that word, What good that can accomplish? A faithful messenger who speaks the truth can bring much good. And who can tell? Who can tell what God will use our words to accomplish? The upright speaking of the truth. How is God going to use that? Maybe God... By those upright words when we confess the truth of Scripture, somebody says, Surely you don't believe everything the Bible says, do you? And you say, This is God's very word. Yes, I believe everything in it. Maybe God uses that confession of the truth to draw his elect into the church. Maybe God uses our words can use that word to encourage a fellow member of the church and maybe God would even use that to bring persecution on the church but even that will be for our good because God will use that to bring closer to bring us closer to himself God is pleased to use our upright speaking of the truth for the good of our neighbor, but especially. So there's one motive. Why would we want to speak the truth? Because we love our neighbor, but especially we ought to desire the honor and glory of God. We want God to be praised by The words that we speak, by the way that we speak them. Sometimes we can speak words harshly, even though it's the truth. But we want God to be praised. God who is a God who deserves all the glory. God who is pure light would have us display his light. God, who is truth, would have us to manifest his truth. And so Jesus says in Matthew, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. and We could add that they may hear your words and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is that our motive, beloved, when we speak to one another, that God would be praised and that our neighbor would be built up as well? May God grant that to us, that we would love him and love our neighbor by our words. Amen. Our Father, which art in heaven, thou great and holy God, thou who art a God of truth, We pray that thou work in us, that we would love the truth and speak it uprightly and confess it. May we be those who are used by thee to bring honor and glory to thy name and good to our neighbor. Forgive us where we have fallen short, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.